0: everyone, you're listening to Superwoman. Today's guest is Dana Bledsoe, founder of This Moment. I first met Dana at an awards show and was struck by her bravery, her strength, and the voice she's giving to women with cancer. As Dana remarks, pain can be turned into power simply by giving it a voice. Her experience with cancer is something she has candidly chronicled in her blog, This Moment, which has led to speaking engagements, collaborations, and campaigns to rewrite the narrative around breast cancer. Calling the presence of cancer in her life a gift, Dana has committed herself to rewriting her life, rediscovering her sense of joy and peace and helping others do the same. She is learning to put herself first and be her own best advocate. And she's working to eliminate fear and foster a sense of normalcy and empathy around the way cancer is regarded in this country. This is an incredibly inspiring episode and I hope you enjoy it. Take a listen. For those tuning in, we were at the awards which is given out to shoe companies and shoe brands and you were presenting an award and I didn't remember anything before you or after you have <laughs> to say that. Very kind. So, <laughs> so you were Do you know what was so interesting? What was so interesting, sorry
1: about that night was you know they they gave us pretty strict instructions right this is the guidelines for the speech and i was going yeah 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 sure um i'll just i'll just give them what they want in the rehearsal and then i had to be true to myself and so i went up and you know did the rehearsal of the speech and made it what they wanted and then I said, you know, God or the powerful forces, just direct me. And that night when I went on stage, I just knew I had to speak by truth. So I was behind stage and I just closed my eyes and sort of went into myself and said, <clears throat> you know, speak through me. Allow me to speak from my heart. And um, I didn't use any of the notes and I didn't follow the directions at all. And I didn't want to make it about, yeah, the money that you give. And I, I wanted to change people's way of thinking. And, and their behavior and i wanted to connect people which is why i asked people to hold hands in the in the beginning little did we know that three months later or four months later covid would happen but my speech was about you know kind of connection and the importance of that and we don't have anything without connection and um and integrative medicine and so it was funny i and then i think i must have spoke way over the time if i was in the oscars they would have buzzed me and kicked me off but yeah, I just spoke straight from my soul, and that's that's kind of how I operate my life. Yeah.
0: So, when you, were you always that way, or did this start when you got your diagnosis?
1: Do You know, I've always been a a, a bit of a rebel maker. <laughs> and, I love that um, uh, very much. So my parents are like, "Oh my god, she doesn't follow rules." I just sort of feel that. I love the quote that well behaved women never make history, and I. I really believe that we have to use our voices. And I teach my children that, that, you know, if we don't use our voices, nothing will promote change. I think I've become more that way uh, since I was re-diagnosed with stage four metastatic breast cancer. So I was originally diagnosed with breast cancer um, stage 1B, which is a very early stage. That was when I was 40, it was two two years after I had had my child, he was two years old. And then I was re-diagnosed, I've just celebrated seven years with stage four metastatic, which means it's spread, um, and not to any organs, um, it's, it has spread to my lymph, my spine, and my left hip. So I feel that, yeah, I just want to speak from my place of truth, I want to speak from my soul my spirit i want to empower other women use your voice use your voice tell your story the more that we amplify our voices the more that we share our stories we release something in others to go i'm not alone i connect i identify um and it releases something within yourself it's it's um it gives you this state of not empowerment that's so overused, but but a state of really of you of who you are. Not that our stories identify who we are, but it certainly gives us that it releases something inside of us. You know, it um, and it allows others to to find. It, it it it's I like what Anna Pinker says, who's a dear friend of mine, who's on Amplify Voices. We're are doing it together, and you know she says you can turn pain into power by telling your story, which which I think is great.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's it can be cathartic too, right? When you when you are like you know, when, sometimes I feel like talking to these women on the podcast is like, oh, I'm not alone either, you know, like she's going through it as well, and I think that can that can be such a a very cathartic experience because I think you can get into a silo where you do think you are. Uh, absolutely, I, I know that I. I remember when uh,
1: I, I removed my ovaries to in order to because I can't have any estrogen, and the menopause goodness gracious, nobody, nobody still doesn't talk about what hits you. It isn't the hot flashes. You know, I, I hear them going, Oh yeah, the hot flashes. Oh, I was very much slammed into menopause. Um, I didn't even have that slow kind of decline. I was on a, a very bad drug when I was first diagnosed called tamoxifen. And that's just a, nobody talks about that, the side effects of that, which are really horrific. But, um, And I remember when I went into menopause, it kind of hit me six months later. And it's not a hot flash. It's and now I just talk to women openly about it. And and it's that's the minor. It's the it's the mental state. It's the anger, the rage. You don't know who you are anymore. You can't think clearly, you can't make decisions, you can't remember things. It's you feel like your life is upside down. You don't remember the happy person, you don't remember the the former you. And and I think we just have to talk openly about those things. Because the more that we share, you know, the more that I talk about it with women, they go, oh my gosh, I've experienced that as well. I've experienced not wanting to be a mother, not wanting to be a wife. And then what I've really realized, and those are just little, you know, those are big things, but what you what you don't realize and what you don't realize that you don't hear from doctors or other women, which now I can tell women about is that is a loss of estrogen. You are really deep into menopause when you start having this, uh, all these really heavy, heavy negative thoughts. And I I look back now, I, I just was speaking to a friend of mine and she goes, do you know what I realized? My mother I was watching my mother in menopause but nobody talked about it. And my mother completely changed as well. I remember when I was 15 going, "Who is this woman? I don't recognize her. but nobody talked to women about what really changes you know inside yourself. and so I think we just have to keep having these open, really raw, raw conversations. Yeah. You know,
0: you can't hear her because she's a she's maybe 10 feet away. But my mom is listening to us talk and she's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Hi, Mom. <laughs> Hi, Mom. <laughs> and all the things about menopause, what I have to look forward to. Um, oh yeah, it's a, it's a humdinger. But
1: you know, that the good thing is, I think, Rebecca, is is if we talk about these things and we share it openly with our friends and we don't become afraid to share. I think that's the thing that there You don't feel bad about yourself. You don't feel bad about yourself. The more that you share, there's always somebody within that circle that goes, yeah, I've recognized that. It was kind of like the thing for me about feeling alone being a mother, you know? And then you realize, oh, I live in one of the biggest cities in the world and you can still feel alone, right? You can look at other people and go, oh, I see that woman pushing a pram with all her friends. Why, Why am I not part of that group? And since you know I talk to other women and they go, "Oh, motherhood is everything. It's my love, it's my life. I lay down." And it turns out that's not the truth. That's not the truth. So by sugarcoating it in a way, you're it's making other women feel bad about really the way that they feel. and And, sure, there's beautiful things about every single journey, And I can see the beauty in it. Um, but I think the thing is just not to sugarcoat it because then you don't feel that you're the only one going through it, you know, so keep yeah. it open, keep it very real, keep it so raw. Yeah. And, th- and then the then 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 the healing starts, then the liberation starts and you go, oh, that's so funny. I felt the same way, too. And yeah, I threw that plate at my husband because, yeah, he was driving me nuts. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, so, yeah. so I don't have, you know, the exact reality of having gone through that, but I definitely uh every pregnancy struggle with depression while I'm pregnant, and I know it's hormones, mm-hmm. I know I a hundred percent I'm aware of that, it doesn't stop the feelings like and emotions you've described from coming in. So here you are,
1: mm-hmm. you're
0: fighting stage four cancer, you have a family, you have these emotions that are purely just no estrogen, and then you yeah. have people who have no cancer, no craziness. And they're just having trouble fighting through just on sure. a daily basis. So what is that nugget that allows you to be positive, persevere, and keep and persevere in spite of all that? Yeah.
1: Mm. Well, one thing is that I never have used the word fight in 15 years of dealing with cancer. I, I call cancer my gift and because I see it as a teacher and I know that sounds really weird to people. Some people go, what? How, how can that be a gift? And, you know, ultimately, I think we know what stage four means. But um I, I am determined to prove them all wrong by doing this naturally. Um, uh, I do see it as my teacher. It's just a, an open awareness of how do I want to see life? And deep down, I always knew I am this person inside that believes in life, that loves life, that loves people, but I had to work on loving myself as well. So that is a huge thing that all of us, I think, have to really face. Do you like yourself? Do you love yourself? Do you believe in yourself? And work on that. And it's not not easy. Um, I really had to sit my shit. That's the only way to describe it. I mean, I really, really, and the, the, didn't have a traumatic childhood. There's nothing, you know, we all have trauma from childhood. We all have traumas in life. But, you know, it's, can you sit in in those really dark places and sit with it? And I was really good at never sitting in it. You know, stuff would come up and that was, you know, loss of self-belief or whatever. But I lived in New York and then I lived in Dublin. And, and I was really great at deferring that, you know, saying to everybody, I love helping people. People love being of service to people. And I think I was so good at deferring to myself that because I didn't want to be alone as well, that I would constantly say, Oh, can you go for a coffee? Oh, do you want to have lunch? And I realized what I was doing, it finally hit me. You just don't want to be with yourself. You don't want to sit with yourself. You, your cancer would come forward. And, you know, I had to really sit in this very, very dark place where we think that we do but we just put a little band-aid on it um, and then you go oh i've just put a little band-aid on that one and put a little band-aid on that one and then when you're flying high you think well all that stuff has been dealt with we're we're moving on now but it's not it's really not so i had to sit there i had to si- i had to sit there and i had to deal with it and i knew i knew deep down that i wanted to live I wanted to thrive, and I had to shift what was important, and I had to really do a lot of work on uh, liking myself, being a better, really foot putting myself first, and then going, actually, I really need to be a better mother. I need to be. I was so busy. It's very hard when you're re-diagnosed or diagnosed because when you, when you have children, right, there is no time to put yourself first. And I, I know I get the frustration when people always say to all of us, you know, you got to put yourself first when you're first. And you're thinking, Jesus Christ, I've got three kids, you know, and they're all young and they need me. But I really needed to put myself first, but in a different way. And um, I was battling I was battling for that. And and because of that, I think the kids were suffering because I really had to put myself first. But I had to put myself first in a different way, which is, okay, I need to do the hard work of of liking myself, um, learning about my emotions really come from, um, how do I stay calm, making a declaration of what I need. And now I know how to really fill up myself and do the work And there is that emotion. Here it comes. It's coming up. It's coming up. Okay, what am I going to do about that? Am I going to give into that? Can I take a breath? Can I, whatever it is, can you do a push-up to pause um, so that I can be better for me, which ultimately means I'm better for everybody else around me, you know? Um,
0: I think that's incredible and uh, definitely takes strength. To be able to do that because, you know, in our instant gratification age, people do want the instant, you know, easy out. So I I love that you're saying that. And another thing that you talked about in your speech, which really I thought was brave considering the room was Mm -hmm. you mentioned your approach to treating your cancer holistically, you know, not Mm -hmm. the traditional kill it with chemo and radiation as the only solution. And, you know, we were in New York city, uh, you know, there's one, there's only one way to treat cancer. And, you know, having come from a a family of doctors and nurses and, you know, my father kind of moving more and more away from one solution and Mm -hmm. and really treating things with integrative uh, medicine, I was like, oh, hallelujah. So Mm -hmm. tell me how you found that path and uh, why you're not scared to talk about it? Because I feel like anyone that does gets told they're a quack. Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> or you're gonna or you're gonna die. Fifteen years ago when I was first diagnosed, um, I I did the chemo and I did the radiation and I did the tamoxifen. Um and I was begged by actually the the, the man who I, I've worked with for a long time, um Dr. Pericone, he said, please please don't do chemo, please. I'm just I'm begging you. What happens is you are struck. You've got a little kid looking up at you, whatever, and you're struck. And everybody puts fear in you. You know they they don't even give you time to think. Next thing you know, you're in this system, and you're seeing doctors, and you know you don't have time to think. You don't have time to research. You don't. You're just told you need chemo. You know we've put this into a computer. It says it needs chemo. We've tested your tumor. You need chemo, um, and um, you are just put into a system. And uh, no matter how loud my voice is, and I didn't want to do it, you don't have time to get an alternative plan. There is no time. And so you're funneled sort of into this, like a deer in headlights. And, you know, I did really well with chemo, but it also nearly killed me. I mean, there was a point during chemo where I couldn't walk. I, I remember getting up in the middle of the night and walking to my child and, uh, I fell on the floor, my legs gave away, and I was pulling myself along the floor. And I I look back back at that time and say, well, I did really well because then three days later, you know, I was up and exercising and riding, but I couldn't push my kid up the pram in Manhattan, which doesn't really have hills. It kills everything, you know, It, it kills everything. And look, I know that there are people out there going, well, it's our only option. It never is the only option, and I'm not telling people not to do it. I'm just saying I have made it very clear to whomever I see: never mention that word. It's not my, my soul. It's not my spirit. It's not. It's not where I go. My whole passion is integrative medicine. Why can't we have integrative medicine? Why don't traditional doctors, which we need and are a blessing, ask us: What is your diet? What is your diet? Can we? Let's look at that because food is medicine. Um, You got to cut out sugar. You got to cut out bread. You got to cut out alcohol. You just got to cut out these things. Um, Why aren't we looking at the mind, the body, and the spirit when somebody's diagnosed and saying, uh, right, okay, spiritually and your soul, let's, you know, what's happened in your life that, and I get it, insurance, we don't have time. Um, doctors don't have time to do that, but it, it could take one minute of a conversation. It, one minute. Let's. Ch- I want to check in on your mind. I want to check in on your spirit. I want to check in on your soul, and I, I want to check in. What do you need from me? How can we, as a team, support you? Did you know that we have psychologists here, or you know, um, any anything to support her? Support her on this way so that she feels seen. Not just a woman who's been diagnosed, and I—I I think that has got to change within the medical system. We're working on it. It's very slow. Also, there are women I know that go to doctors. This just happened to me, um, and they said, "Oh, oh! If you're going to talk about natural stuff, you need to leave. I'm not the doctor for you. You need to go find somebody else." So imagine being kicked out of an office because you have a certain way of going, of navigating yourself through this. And I was literally kicked out of an office. He said, you need to go. And I said, you know what? I wouldn't see you even if I did believe the way that you believe because your bedside manner is atrocious. And so I think when you're diagnosed with anything, one thing that I really tell women is you must be your own advocate You must be your own advocate. If you feel a lump and a doctor says, oh, you're too young, or, oh, it's probably just a milk duck because you're breastfeeding, or, oh, it's just your time of the month, you need to say, hold on, I feel a lump, I want you to do a mammogram and a sonogram, and I want you to feel the lump, because you would be surprised how many women go to a doctor, they're turned away because they're too young, or because you're breastfeeding, you can't get breast cancer. This happens all the time. And the doctor doesn't even feel the lung. So you really need to best be your breast advocate, you know, really, you really do. This time, I just decided, I'm just going to do this my way. I I am going to do this. I'm going to train my mind, which didn't always work. I'm going to, I am going to kill this with food. So something must have worked right. Because for three, two years, I went completely hardcore vegan nothing would touch my mouth on you know if it like it and i've realized that's really it's hard to do but you can do it you can still eat out you can still have fun you can do it you know i gave up sugar i gave up alcohol absolutely zero drugs the doctors were shocked um they were like we don't understand this it's three places in your spine and in, in your hip and and in your lymph nodes and there's zero growth zero and and then you know I started working on meditation and and just all and just all these things and yeah of course there were so many times when it became negative absolutely and my husband was begging me to please go on an anti-estrogen drug please don't mess around with this because it could spread people a lot of people were against it but I have to listen I have I have to listen to m- what does this body want this time what does it want. Yeah. doesn't ever want that other. Thing. And and now I find an amazing natural path. He has, he really works on my mind um, with me. I do little things called declarations. And the thing is, you don't have to go and meditate for hours. It's like when I'm swimming, you know, I just say things to myself out loud. That's the key out loud. You know, every day you're becoming more powerful every day. Those cells that are rogue, they are leaving your body every day, every day, your cells are getting healthier and healthier and healthier. It's just, it's that simple. And then you just leave it. And then it's kind of during the day when you're walking or walking the dog, you to kind of do the same thing. You make a declaration, but you have to say it out loud. I do take a lot of supplements. Um, The sad thing is none of this is covered. None of this is covered by insurance. So, you know, um, it's a lot. It's a lot. And and you, you have to do the research, You know, you have to arm yourself. And I'm certainly not saying to people, don't every cancer, this is the thing, there isn't one formula for every person. And that kind of where is where chemo fails. You know, you sort of become a statistic and they go, well, we've seen this one, we've seen this one. I get it. I, I totally get it. Why we need all of this. It's because they can control it. If you say to someone, okay, here's supplements, here's juicing, here's this, here's that. And I'm not all one way, you know, by the way, and you can't control that, you know? You can't control, is somebody gonna take those supplements? Is somebody gonna follow the diet? So you really have to be your own doctor if you're gonna go down that path because your life is kind of depending on it, you know? When you have someone sitting in a chair, and you're going through that, they can control it. And that's, that is a, that is a good thing. And I still do all my tests. I do them every three months. So yeah, I'm, I don't swing all one way. I try to, I, I'm very much in the middle and I just want the knowledge, but I just want to empower women to don't be so struck that everything that you do is out of fear. Take a breath, take the time, you know, take the time to, and, and, if people that are around you, including family, don't believe in what you're doing, and believe you me, I'm surrounded by that sometimes, sometimes, you just say, look, maybe this topic is is off limits for us, right? And I just need your support and how you can support me. You know, I, that's all I need.
0: Yeah. I love that. So you, you had what I would call an incredible career hosting, Mm. you know, what are you up to these days? I know you speak a lot about this on this topic, but tell me what you're doing and and how you've sort of changed your life up. Yeah.
1: Well, one thing that we did was we, we decided to relocate for a while to Australia, which was great, (laughs) um, mostly for my health really just to have a different environment and uh well my husband is a straighter but we just kind of so yeah I'm still wanting to you know host on television and one of the things that I'm very very passionate about that I've started is to um reach women through art I find that the breast cancer campaigns that are out there are very pink they are very kind of sexualized in a way It certainly doesn't tell my story or anybody else's story that I know with breast cancer. Pink's been in an an incredible way to gain awareness. The sadness is it kind of only happens for one month, and yet, and it, it, it does promote a lot of fear, and it doesn't reach a lot of people in the way that it should, which is to say, hey, love your body, know your body, right, and especially to target young women. So what. I am working on now is a campaign for breast awareness that can really empower you. I'm, I'm taking out the fear completely and using art through fashion, very well-known fashion photographers, female art artists. I think that we need to have a campaign like a Gucci, like a Fendi, any, anything that really is so removed from breast cancer, breast awareness to spark an interest in young women and women that makes them say, we're working on our taglines now, which will be very simple, but kind of like, you know, a just do it, right? So that you go, wait a minute, just do what? You know, not taking that line, obviously, but it's one of the most brilliant campaigns. It's simple, but it's powerful. But the artistic images and this has never really been done before so that is a whole campaign that I'm starting here and want and will definitely bring it to America and hoping that that will be a formula that can be used all over the world it also will be a photography contest where I'm putting the photography in the hands of the people of the country and there will be huge prizes for that and that will gain um Obviously, a lot of awareness and that campaign will roll out. There's something else that I'm working on, developing an app that can go into every phone that's bought by a female that reminds them to check their breasts every single month. The numbers have now dropped to one in seven. And so we just need girls to, and young women and women, just simply check your breasts. And it was interesting, we were at dinner last night, I was meeting one of the photographers and I said, well, see, there's six, there's six girls over there. They're probably between 25 and 30. Do you dare me to go up and ask them if they check their breasts? And they're going, oh, my husband's going, oh my God, here she goes, you know. And they were like, Dana, no, don't do that. And I said, ah, it's nothing. I said, sorry, I walked up to them. I said, sorry, you guys are all really lovely. I said, don't mean. And I said, listen, I've got stage four metastatic breast cancer. And I just want to ask you a question. What's your age? Do each of you check your breasts? all of them except for one who's a nurse said I, we do not check our breasts they were all between 25 and 32 and i said why they said i don't know how to i don't really think about it it doesn't pertain to me and i said okay any of the ads that are out there any of the campaigns that you've seen do they pertain to you no i would think that that's my grandmother my mother you know um does it instill fear yeah absolutely absolutely and and they said I just don't want to know. And I thought that was key. So so using art, using visuals that are stunning and perk a curiosity, I think that we can get people to have this conversation with their breasts and work on prevention. The other really big thing that I'm so, so honored to be part of Um, and had gone to Anna uh, Anna Pincus and Deb Shapiro when I met Anna. Um, They are the, Deb Shapiro is the founder of Amplify Voices and Deb X Talks. Um, And Anna Pincus is the founder of Yookalanda. And um, God, I hope I said that right. Anyway, when I know that they had done, they had first done their first talks were on um, uh, sex trafficking and in absolutely incredible. Encourage anybody to watch it. This is about amplify voices. Is about giving women their voice, the power to use their voice, um, to tell their story. And through their pain, they go and they step into power. So I went to them and uh, went to Anna and said, "Look, could we do something for breast cancer?" So they have put we've all put together beyond breast cancer, which is through amplify voices. And it will take place um, in in the States in May. It's going to be a 90-day program where we have seven speakers. We don't have the speakers yet. I'm one of them, but we don't have the speakers. So we, of course, would love for women who are listening, you know, whether you're newly diagnosed, doesn't matter what age you are, newly diagnosed, been diagnosed, been through breast cancer, whether you're LGBTQ, you know, African-American, Asian, you know all the different we need you and um, we need you to apply and we're looking for seven key speakers the most beautiful thing about this program is is that we support these women not just seven i can't remember how we're gonna how many we're going to be supporting i think 50 i think for 90 days we meet on zoom every week to support you so that you do find your voice and that voice encourages other to speak it's nobody's ever done anything like this. And there'll be a documentary made and there'll be so much that stems off of this. And and that is called moving beyond breast cancer or beyond breast cancer. So that's a great gift that I think is also going to shift. You know, I never had any support when I was first diagnosed. I still, when I was stage four, I don't go to breast cancer meetings. I don't, have a group I just never thought that it was that it would suit my voice you know um and this is a whole different way and a lot of people are doing such brilliant brilliant work out there but it's a weekend you know or it's just one day during a week and then you get this high you know you get this high just kind of like and you get this amazing sisterhood but then the high wears off and two weeks later, you're back to your family, you're back to your life and you feel alone again and you feel understood. Or who can I, who can I tell this story to that's really going to get it? That's really going to hear me that, that when I have a shit day, a really bad day, you just want somebody to say, oh my God, it must be awful. I'm so sorry. You're having a really terrible day. Yes. Yeah, terrible. It is terrible. You're right. Normally, what people say, and "God bless them." It's such a hard thing. How do you know what to say to somebody when they've got cancer? You know, especially stage four. I've had people say outrageous things to me, like look at my face and go, "Oh, that's terminal." Did you get both your boots oh, lobbed that's off? Terrible. You know, are you going to lose your hair? I mean, I, I, we've heard it. We've heard it all. We've heard it all. And I just look at them with compassion, and I turn it into a joke. And I someone, the one person who said, "Oh, that's terminal. That means death, right?" And I went. Oh, I actually never thought of it that way, but I guess, it, I guess it does. I guess I better start thinking about, you know, what I want people to say. I mean, you do think about that stuff, but you know, you need, it's almost like we need to teach people, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, you do need someone who can just look at you and say it is shit. Sorry. Sorry. It is really crap that you're going through this. So I think by supporting these women for 90 days, you know, five hours, I think a week or something is whats is what we're doing. That is an incredible shift because that's never happened. That's never happened. And you do have this an incredible sisterhood and that will really create a bond that is, you know, kind of for a lifetime. The other thing too is uh, that I've just been a beautiful part of is it's a scar brooch, which is so beautifully made with silver and 18 karat gold and the way that karina hardy came up with this was um in in the breast and has done years of jewelry just with the breast and the nipple and what the breast means um never looking at it from a breast cancer point of view but you know how do we sexualize our breasts how what does the nipple mean, you know? What do the breasts mean? They're a place of nurturing and well-being and um, they're a sign of womanhood and motherhood and giving life and birth and things. And then she decided um, with Dr. Jajarj to to kind of change that and, and say, well, what about doing one of our scars, which is beautiful. So we had a whole beautiful conversation about scars. And the meaning of scars and the meaning of our scars is it's a place of healing. it's um it's a place, it's a sign of what we've lived through. It's a sign of our story. It's a sign of power. It's a sign of um, wearing it proudly instead of hiding your scar, actually wearing your scar. and it's it's interesting how in other cultures, scars are a sign of great beauty. You know, in Kenya, they mark the faces and different parts of the world, they mark the men and it's a sign, it's a sign of beauty. And so we need to change also that kind of way of thinking. Yeah. So the scar brooch is at L pin, which is nipple spelled backwards, which is, which is very clever.
0: So yeah. Yeah. So where can people follow you, support you, get inspired by you? Oh, Thank you.
1: Um, Dana Bledsoe, D A N A B L E D S O E, underscore this moment at Instagram. And then um, Dana Bledsoe, this moment on Facebook. And um, follow Amplify Voices as well to keep in touch with the moving beyond breast cancer. And Elpin, which is E l-p-p-i-n which is nipplebackwards.com yeah and those those are the places that I'm at and then I'll I'll certainly follow up and let you know how the whole breast awareness artistic campaign is going we're we've reshifted it so we're just in the big stages and uh going to investors and canon and yeah there's and really amazing fashion photographers that are just going to kick off the campaign, but then to put it in the hands of the people. That's what I want. Anybody, you don't have to be professional, anything. And I think we can start that whole movement. And then I think what's so beautiful about that movement, because it isn't about fear and isn't about cancer, but really the power of you and your own body is that going into schools with the artwork and then, you know, teaching young women teaching women in universities. Hey, this is, this is, this is a conversation that you need to have with your own self. Um, And hopefully moving it into doctors to saying, you need to listen to a girl when she comes in or a woman, when she comes into your office, you need to be the best listener possible and take that time.
0: And not take, and not take the checks from other people. (laughs) Exactly.
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, Oh, yeah. that too. But yes that's a, that's such, a, know, hard, that's such a hard that's such a hard road you know the pharmaceutical industry is so strong it's so strong and and someone said oh would you you know would you go up to capitol hill in march? and march i was like oh man you know i just don't know if i have the strength for that at this point in my life um it would be a great idea but yeah yeah i always say feed your farmer not your pharmacist Look, we, we need, you know, we need, we need the drugs. Okay. We need them just that's I'm never saying that is, that is an issue that I do have issues with people from alternative shouldn't be, you know, not saying don't do the traditional, we all have to work together, but start with, start with food, just to start with that. And even if you're doing chemo, you're doing radiation, Feed your body really good things, especially when you come out the other side of that, you know. So I like to say, yeah, feed your farmer, not your pharmacist. And and food, as Hippocrates said, um, feed, yeah, medicine. Medicine is thy food. I mean, food is thy medicine. Yeah.
0: I can't thank you enough for joining so. me today. Thank you for your honesty, for continuing Aww. to be such a luminary in this place and um, for everything you're doing. Thank you. And I hope you you. have a great holiday. And and you. you. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I also want to ask you to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a pain in the butt, but it actually helps with search and algorithms. So if you love this podcast, it is an easy way to get it more visible and out there. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Minkoff. At RM Superwomen, and be sure to check out my book, Fearless The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. Thank you again, and you will hear from me next week.